Part half eliciting latent knowledge how to tell if your eyes deceive you by Paul Cristiano, Aya Kotra, and Mark Shu. Welcome to the Nonlinear Library, where we use text-to-speech software to convert the best writing from the rationalist and IA communities into audio. This is part one of eliciting latent knowledge how to tell if your eyes deceive you, published by Paul Cristiano, Aya Kotra, and Mark Shu. In this post, we'll present our C's approach to an open problem we think is central to aligning powerful machine learning, ML, systems. Suppose we train a model to predict what the future will look like according to cameras and other sensors. We then use planning algorithms to find a sequence of actions that lead to predicted futures that look good to us. But some action sequences could tamper with the camera so they show happy humans regardless of what's really happening. More generally, some futures look great on camera but are actually catastrophically bad. In these cases, the prediction model knows facts, like the camera was tampered with that are not visible on camera but would change our evaluation of the predicted future if we learned them. How can we train this model to report its latent knowledge of off-screen events? We'll call this problem eliciting latent knowledge, ELK. In this report we'll focus on detecting sensor tampering as a motivating example, but we believe ELK is central to many aspects of alignment. In this report, we will describe ELK and suggest possible approaches to it, while using the discussion to illustrate our C's research methodology. More specifically, we will set up a toy scenario in which a prediction model could show us a future that looks good but is actually bad, and explain why ELK could address this problem, more. Describe a simple baseline training strategy for ELK, step through how we analyze this kind of strategy, and ultimately conclude that the baseline is insufficient, more. Lay out our C's overall research methodology, playing a game between a builder who is trying to come up with a good training strategy and a breaker who is trying to construct a counterexample where the strategy works poorly, more. Describe a sequence of strategies for constructing richer datasets and arguments that none of these modifications solve ELK, leading to the counterexample of ontology identification, more. Identify ontology identification as a crucial sub-problem of ELK and discuss its relationship to the rest of ELK, more. Describe a sequence of strategies for regularizing models to give honest answers, and arguments that these modifications are still insufficient, more. Conclude with a discussion of why we are excited about trying to solve ELK in the worst case, including why it seems central to the larger alignment problem and why we're optimistic about making progress, more. Much of our current research focused on ontology identification as a challenge for ELK. In the last 10 years many researchers have called out similar problems as playing a central role in alignment. Our main contributions are to provide a more precise discussion of the problem, possible approaches, and why it appears to be challenging. We discuss related work in more detail in appendix-related work. We believe that there are many promising and unexplored approaches to this problem, and there isn't yet much reason to believe we are stuck or are faced with an insurmountable obstacle. Even some of the simplest approaches have not been thoroughly explored, and seem like they would play a role in a practical attempt at scalable alignment today. Given that ELK appears to represent a core difficulty for alignment, we are very excited about research that tries to attack it head-on. We're optimistic that within a year we will have made significant progress either towards a solution or towards a clear sense of why the problem is hard. If you're interested in working with us on ELK or similar problems, get in touch. Thanks to Maria Gutierrez-Rojas for the illustrations in this piece. Thanks to Buck Schlageris, John Uesito, Carl Schulman, and especially Holden Karnofsky for helpful discussions and comments. Toy Scenario The Smart. Vault. We'll start by describing a toy scenario in which ELK seems helpful. While this scenario is a simplified caricature, we think it captures a key difficulty we expect to emerge as an L models get more powerful and take on a wide range of important decisions. 
Imagine you are developing an AI to control a state-of-the-art security system intended to protect a diamond from theft. The security system, the Smart Vault, is a building with a vast array of sensors and actuators which can be combined in complicated ways to detect and stop even very sophisticated robbery attempts. While you can observe the room through a camera, you don't know how to operate all the actuators in the right ways to protect the diamond. Instead, you design an AI system that operates these actuators for you, hopefully eliminating threats and protecting your diamond. In the rest of this section, we will outline how the Smart Vault AI works, more. Describe how it could end up taking actions which look good but are actually bad, more. Explain how we could address this by asking the AI questions, more. How the Smart Vault AI works model-based RL. The Smart Vault AI searches over many actions and executes whichever are predicted to have the best consequences. The backbone of this system is a learned predictor which takes as input a stream of observations from the camera and a possible sequence of actions that the Smart Vault could take in that situation. Outputs its prediction of what the camera will show in the future if the Smart Vault takes that sequence of actions. Some of the possible action sequences are simple enough that humans can fully understand what's going on. However, many of them are much too complicated for humans to directly follow what's going on. Still, even though humans can't directly follow along with the actions, they can evaluate the predicted consequence of an action sequence. Action. Predicted observation. Human judgment. We can then train a model to predict these human evaluations, and search for actions that lead to predicted futures that look good. A sufficiently powerful predictor and search procedure will hopefully allow the smart vault to defend your diamond. How it could go wrong observations leave out key information. The smart vault can execute plans sufficiently sophisticated that humans can't really know if the diamond is safe or merely appears safe. Whatever complicated hard-to-follow sequence of actions the search procedure found might actually have replaced the diamond with a fake, or tampered with the camera. Action. Predicted observation. Human judgment. Predicted reality. You might try to address this possibility by installing more cameras and sensors, or trying to get your human evaluators to pay extremely close attention. For example, maybe we could have many cameras watching each other so that it's hard to tamper with all of them simultaneously, or maybe more attentive humans could notice a sign that something was amiss, etc. It seems good to be careful and set up many independent sensors, but we are not satisfied with relying on this approach. First, it may break down for sufficiently sophisticated systems executing complex plans, and if it works it's at best an empirical contingency. ARC is interested in trying to prepare for an uncertain future by designing training strategies that work even in the worst case. Second, it seems like an unnecessarily dangerous and unstable situation if we need to install more and more sensors in order to protect the diamond from the smart vault AI itself. If possible we'd like to avoid a world where powerful AI systems are searching for plans to fool us, and holding back critical information about the situation. You could also avoid this risk by avoiding AI systems like the smart vault that select incomprehensible plans based on predicted consequences. However, we are worried about the world where this turns out to be a very effective strategy for powerful AI systems. In that world there may be strong incentives for someone to build such AI systems, and despite our best efforts someone may deploy them even if it came with significant risks. Instead, we want to address this problem by directly eliciting the model's knowledge about whether the sensors are reliable. This would allow us to perform the same powerful optimization without incentivizing our AI to undermine our sensors. How we might address this problem by asking questions. In these scenarios, it intuitively seems like the prediction model knows that the camera was tampered with, that the diamond is fake, or the situation is otherwise not what it seems. After all, 
It was able to accurately predict the final outcome of a complicated sequence of actions which resulted in these observations, if it didn't know that the camera was tampered with, then it couldn't have accurately predicted what the camera would show once it stopped showing what was really happening in the room. Additionally, it seems like these facts are pretty straightforward. They're not philosophically fraught or particularly difficult to talk about, humans understand what it means for a camera to, not, be showing what's actually happening in the room. And they refer to objective properties of the outside world, rather than claims about what the AI is trying to do or whether it is lying. If the evaluators could ask the prediction model whether the video shows what's actually happening in the room, then that would be enough for them to avoid selecting action sequences that result in tampering. If the answer is ever no, they wouldn't need to understand how tampering happened to realize that it's fishy, and they wouldn't need to understand anything else about the AI's mental state. Predicted observation. Old human judgment. Predicted reality. Questions and answers. New human judgment. Is the diamond still on the pedestal? Yes. Is the diamond still on the pedestal? No. Is the diamond still on the pedestal? No. For a more precise statement of the problem, see appendix problem statement. In appendix narrow elicitation we describe what kinds of questions we want to answer, and why even answering the narrowest questions may be sufficient to define an acceptable utility function even for a very general and powerful AI. Baseline what you try first and how it could fail. We can view the smart vault predictor as first figuring out what it should predict, and then extracting a predicted video. We can fine-tune this model to also answer questions about the predictor's latent knowledge by adding a second head, which we'll call the reporter, that shares all the figure-out-what's-going-on computation with the predictor. In the rest of this section, we will present a naive training strategy for ELK, fine-tune only on questions simple enough that humans are very confident of the right answer, and hope that the reporter also generalizes to honestly answering more complex questions, more. Walk through a counterexample to the training strategy, a description of a reporter which does well on the training distribution, but does not honestly report undetectable tampering, more. Training strategy generalize from easy questions to hard questions. Ultimately, we want to be able to ask the reporter questions like is what I'm seeing on camera what's actually happening, in complex situations where humans aren't sure what's going on. We can't directly train it on these questions, since there's no way to generate reliable training data, our human evaluators would often answer incorrectly. However, we can train the reporter to answer questions in simpler situations where humans can be confident about what happened. For example, we could generate a dataset of scenarios in which a weak AI is operating the smart vault actuators, such that the humans can understand everything that's going on just by examining the video and action sequences. This weak AI may sometimes attempt actions like sensor tampering, but only in a way that's extremely obvious to the human evaluators. Perhaps a reporter that correctly answers questions in the colored part of the space generalizes to honestly answering in the gray part of the space. This seems prima facie plausible to us the prediction model already has to build up an understanding of the situation to make predictions, and the most natural way to answer questions may be to directly translate its understanding into human language. Counterexample why this training strategy won't always work. In this section we'll try to describe a plausible situation in which this training strategy learns a reporter that won't report undetectable tampering. We'll call this a counterexample to the strategy. We will construct a test case, a hypothetical world in which our counterexample is set, more. Describe the intended behavior of the reporter in this test case, more. Describe a bad behavior that the training strategy will learn instead of the intended behavior, that is, describe a reporter which answers easy questions perfectly, thus performing well in training, but does not honestly answer harder questions, more. Our ultimate goal is to find a training strategy for which we can't think of any counterexamples, despite trying hard.
We discuss this methodology in more detail in section methodology. Test case prediction is done by inference on a BayesNet. We can't exhaustively describe every possible feature of a hypothetical world when we're constructing a test case, but we won't need to. Almost all properties about a hypothetical world, like who is president in 2024, don't plausibly have any bearing on whether the strategy works. We only need to fill in the details that matter. In this section, we'll fill in two crucial details. How the original prediction model works internally, more. How the humans who construct the training dataset answer questions, more. We'll also address the objection that these assumptions are oversimplified, more. How the prediction model works. The first part of the test case is a description of how the prediction model works. We need to sketch out how this works because the reporter will somehow use the computation done in the figure out what's going on step to answer questions. Once we've sufficiently pinned down the way that works in our test case, we'd be able to describe how we want the reporter to leverage work the prediction model already did, and think about whether our strategy might instead learn an undesired behavior. For our test case, we'll assume the prediction model figures out what's going on and makes predictions by doing inference in a BayesNet. The blue nodes at the bottom are the first and second part of the video, and the yellow node at the top is the action sequence. Other nodes could be very high level, is the diamond in the room? Very low level, what is the voltage on this wire? Or anything in between? An arrow from one node to another indicates that the second node depends on the first. In order to predict the second part of the video, the model first fixes the first part of video and action nodes to be the right values. Then it computes the joint probability distribution of all the other nodes conditional on these, and outputs the probability distribution over the second part of the video. Importantly, if the prediction model is predicting that the camera will show a diamond because the robber is going to tamper with the camera, then the robber tampering must be reflected somehow in the inferred joint distribution over the nodes of this BayesNet. How the humans answer questions. We'll assume the humans who constructed the dataset also model the world using their own internal BayesNet. In the training dataset, they see the first part of the video, the action sequence, and the second part of the video showing the consequences of that action sequence. Using this, they infer a joint probability distribution over all the nodes. Then they figure out the answer to questions using whatever nodes are relevant to the question. In the picture below, those are nodes H3 and H4. Isn't this oversimplified and unrealistic? Throughout the rest of the post, we'll discuss AI models who reason about the world by doing inference in BayesNets. In reality, any model we train will end up reasoning about the world in a messy and complicated way rather than implementing a single well-defined procedure like inference on a large BayesNet. For example, it might exploit simple heuristics or correlations, may have different kinds of models for different situations, may use deductive reasoning, may do internal learning, may use more algorithms we can't think of, and so on. But this kind of simplifying assumption is still a valid step in constructing a counterexample. BayesNets seem like a plausible way of reasoning about at least some pieces of the world at least some of the time. This test case isn't logically inconsistent or physically impossible. That means that if the predictor happens to work this way, regardless of how likely that is, our training strategy is not allowed to fail. One of the benefits of our research methodology is that it allows us to focus on simple test cases where it's easy to understand how an AI could behave, and we think this lets us make faster progress, C-section methodology. Moreover, we think that a realistic messy predictor is pretty likely to still use strategies similar to inference in BayesNets, amongst other cognitive strategies. We think any solution to ELK will probably need to cope with the difficulties posed by the BayesNet test case, amongst other difficulties. We've also considered a number of other simple test cases, and found that counterexamples similar to the ones we'll discuss in this report apply to all of them. More broadly, 
it just seems weird for a reporter that works for realistic predictors to fail in this test case. At first blush there doesn't seem to be any reason that a reporter would be forced to lie or fail if the predictor happens to reason about the world by doing inference in a Bayes net, indeed we have a picture of what kind of thing an honest reporter could do in this case, C-section intended behavior. Overall, we don't think that the messiness of a realistic AI will make training an honest reporter easier, if anything we think it would be harder. If we are able to solve ELK for all the simple test cases we've considered so far, including the Bayes net test case, we are interested in ultimately considering a wide range of messier systems that perform many different kinds of reasoning. This step is likely to eventually involve empirical experiments, but we believe that finding an approach that works for all the simple cases we can think of is a useful first step towards finding an approach that will work robustly in practice. Intended behavior translate to the human's Bayes net. Once the prediction model has figured out what's going on and gotten a joint distribution for all the nodes in its Bayes net, how do we want the reporter to use that data to answer questions? Intuitively, we expect each node in the human Bayes net to correspond to a function of the predictor's Bayes net. We'd want the reporter to simply apply the relevant functions from subsets of nodes in the predictor's Bayes net to each node in the human Bayes net. For example, the human may have a node representing where the diamond is, with possible values like inside the smart vault or inside a robber's pack or out of the country. The predictor may instead have a node for each, x, y, z, position whose value represents what is at position, x, y, z. Then the value of the human's node is a simple function of the value of the predictor's nodes we can loop over each location, check which of the human's options the, x, y, z, coordinates correspond to, and set the human node to that option. If the diamond is in a very distant place, the human node will be set to out of the country. After applying these functions, the reporter can answer questions using whatever subset of nodes the human would have used to answer that question. In this example, the reporter computes the answer using the values for human nodes H3 and H4. Notice that even though in the video it looks like the robber was stopped, the reporter will answer honestly because it simply computed its understanding of the situation and mapped that into the human's nodes. We'll call this reporter the direct translator. Bad behavior due inference in the human Bayes net. Instead of mapping nodes in the predictor's Bayes net over to all the nodes in the human Bayes net, the reporter could instead only map over the first part of the video, action sequence, and its prediction for the second part of the video. It could then use the human inference procedure to figure out how a human would set all the nodes in their Bayes net if they saw that input. We'll call this reporter the human simulator. The direct translator fills in nodes in the human Bayes net with what the human should believe, while the human simulator fills them in with what the human would believe if they saw that video and action sequence. This means it will answer accurately in the training dataset, where a weak AI chose actions, but would switch to answering incorrectly if the stronger smart vault AI can come up with more sophisticated plans such that humans wouldn't be able to tell what happened from the video and action sequence. If our training strategy finds the human simulator, we'd be back to incentivizing the smart vault to tamper with sensors if doing so could fool the human. Would this strategy learn the human simulator or the direct translator? We produce training data for the reporter by asking a human to label videos. That means that the human simulator is in some sense the correct way to produce labels. Indeed, if the human ever makes a mistake then the learning process would prefer the human simulator, which correctly copies the mistake. In this report we won't worry too much about the human making mistakes that would favor the human simulator. We discuss this issue in much more detail in appendix data errors. But even if the human never makes a mistake, then these two reporters have identical behavior on the training set, so they have identical loss. It's not obvious which one gradient descent would find. That possibility is enough to make us worried about our training strategy, 
We'd like to either find an argument that this approach won't fail, or else find a new approach. That's the focus of the rest of this report. In section Better Data we discuss possible approaches for enlarging the training set in order to distinguish the human simulator from the direct translator. In section Regularization we discuss approaches for preferentially learning the direct translator even if the two reporters behave identically on the training set. But first, we'll explain the general research methodology we use to approach this problem. Research Methodology Our research methodology can be described as a game between a builder who proposes an algorithm and a breaker who describes how it might fail. In the last section, we saw one informal round of this game. In the next sections we'll go through a few more. In each round, the builder proposes a training strategy for eliciting latent knowledge, train the model on questions where humans can give confident answers. The breaker proposes a test case in which the strategy might fail, the prediction model and the human make predictions using different Bayes nets. The builder describes the desired reporter they hope will be learned in that test case, directly translating from the predictor's Bayes net to the human's Bayes net. The breaker describes a bad reporter that could be learned instead, doing inference on the human's Bayes net. The builder can then try to argue that the breaker's scenario is implausible. This may involve asking the breaker to specify more details of the scenario, then the builder identifies inconsistencies in the scenario or argues that actually the strategy would learn the desired reporter after all. If the builder succeeds, we go back to step 2 and the breaker proposes a new counterexample. If the breaker succeeds, we go back to step 1 and the builder proposes a new algorithm. Ultimately, we hope that this methodology yields either a solution to ELK that appears to work on paper, and which is therefore ready to start being tested in practice, or a test case that defeats all the algorithms we can think of and undermines our intuition that ELK ought to be possible. Why focus on the worst case? This methodology rules out a possible solution as soon as we've identified any case where it fails. It's worth discussing why we care so much about the worst case, why focus on problems that would only arise with very capable AI, and may never arise, instead of thinking about ways to align existing AI? We are afraid that an alignment strategy that works for human-level AI may break down soon afterwards without leaving us enough time to develop new strategies. For example, any method that is predicated on AI systems being unable to outsmart humans may break down very rapidly as AI systems become superhuman in key domains. Moreover, it may be hard to study these phenomena, or get clear warnings that our approaches may break down, until the risk is very close at hand. These problems can be much worse if AI progress is very rapid. This concern is much of what makes misalignment so scary to us. To address this fear, we are very interested in developing alignment strategies that work no matter how far we scale up our models or what they learn. This is an ambitious goal, but we are tentatively optimistic and if possible we think it would change the landscape for alignment research. On the optimistic side, if it is possible to design an algorithm that works in the worst case, we think it might be easier than trying to design an algorithm that works in practice. By trying to solve the problem in the worst case we can iterate quickly on greatly simplified examples, rather than needing to work with messy cases or wait on experimental results. We discuss these issues more in section why we're excited. What counts as a counterexample for ELK? In order to win, the breaker needs to argue that the fine-tuned model gave an unambiguously bad answer to a question despite knowing better. That means they have to argue that. The model understands the question. One sufficient condition is that the model can predict human answers to essentially arbitrary hypothetical questions in order to clarify the meaning of terms. The model's answer is unambiguously wrong. This usually means the question is about something concrete out there in the world that the human can easily understand, like the diamond is not in the room, and the situation is a central example of something, like tampering, rather than a border case. 
the model knows that its answer is wrong. This is most likely when the model is correctly predicting the observable consequences of an event, while simultaneously claiming that the event did not occur. For example, if the smart vault predicts that a given sequence of actions will lead to the camera showing a diamond, because it will replace the diamond with a convincing fake, then it is very likely that it understands that the diamond is not in the room. If the diamond was simply removed from the room and replaced, then this is a very unambiguous case. And if the model can predict human sentences about words like still in the room and diamond then it should know how to answer questions like is the diamond still in the room? In our counterexample, the human simulator answers questions incorrectly regardless of how straightforward the question is and how well the predictor understands the world and natural language. We will generally focus on this kind of crisp and unambiguous counterexample. Eventually we may find a training strategy for which there are no crisp counterexamples, where we sometimes look at what the model did and say well maybe that's a mistake, we're not sure but we never say that was definitely a failure. Simply dealing with the crisp counterexamples would already be a very promising step. When we want to be more precise, we may call this the narrow version of ELK because we are focused on unambiguously wrong answers to straightforward questions about the world, rather than dealing with tricky border cases or deeply confusing situations. In this report we will be focused only on the narrow version. In Appendix Narrow Elicitation we'll describe what we mean by narrow and argue that it may be sufficient to deploy AI safely. In Appendix Problem Statement we'll say a bit more about what we mean by knowledge. Informal Steps In our research we usually start with a high-level idea, for example. Maybe we could only label data points we're confident about, which could be the basis for many possible training strategies. At first the breaker tries to find a counterexample that defeats that entire category of training strategies. If the breaker has difficulty defeating all of them, then we have the builder start filling in more details to make the breaker's job easier. In this report we will almost always leave many details unspecified because we don't think they are important to the breaker's counterexample. We very rarely need to get fully precise about either the strategy or the counterexample to feel like we know who is going to win the game, and therefore we can go back to step one. With that said, the guiding principle is that it should always be possible to get more precise if needed, leaving things vague is a shortcut similar to a mathematician leaving a proof informal because they expect it could be formalized if needed. If it turned out that a vague counterexample couldn't be turned into a more precise counterexample, then that would be a sign that we had overstepped our intuitions and should be more careful. Can we construct a data set that separates correct from looks correct to a human? Intuitively, The issue with the baseline training strategy was that even though we picked a dataset where humans would always be able to tell what happened, it still only contains human judgments about videos and actions. There was no reason for the reporter not to just imitate human judgments, that strategy performed perfectly, and would outperform if the human made mistakes. If we had a ground truth label instead of just the human's judgment, we'd be in better shape. If we could somehow construct a training dataset where humans seeing the video and actions wouldn't be able to tell what happened, but we have some other way of knowing what really happened that we use to reward the reporter, this would advantage the direct translator over the human simulator. Maybe that's enough to ensure we don't learn any bad reporters? Unfortunately, none of these strategies seem sufficient for solving ELK in the worst case. In particular, after considering strategies like debate, iterated distillation and amplification and imitative generalization, and even assuming that every other counterexample to those strategies could be overcome, we believe they still don't address ELK. In this section, we'll propose three strategies and discuss counterexamples to each of them. Ask a human to come up with tricky ways to operate the smart vault that another human might misunderstand, and then have that human operator label data themselves, more. Have a human use AI assistance to consider new hypotheses about the world, learn new things, and generally get better at figuring out what's going on, more. 
have a human adopt whatever changes to their bay's net maximize their ability to predict what happens next in a video, more. Because these strategies are insufficient on their own, we believe we must introduce some kind of regularizer or inductive bias to ensure we learn the direct translator. We'll return to regularization in section regularization. Strategy have a human operate the smart vault and ask them what happened. We could have a trusted human manually operate the smart vault's actuators, and try to fool other humans watching them. Because they have the advantage of making the plans themselves, they may be able to generate attempts at tampering that would fool other humans of similar intelligence. If the operator produces the labels instead of the observer, then we can get correct labels about a broader set of situations than before. How this defeats the previous counterexample. The counterexample to the baseline strategy was the human simulator, a reporter that does inference from observations in the human net. But here we are labeling our training data using the human operator's understanding of the situation rather than the human observer's understanding. The operator can understand the consequences of their own actions much better than an observer, because they chose their action to have a particular effect in the world, for example tamper with the camera. The operator first sees the first part of the video, then looks around for a consideration or idea they could use to get the effect they want, and chooses their action based on that. This means they'll have unusually confident and accurate values for particular variables as in their Bayes net corresponding to the ideas they focused on. Suppose there are a hundred software vulnerabilities a human could think of in the smart vault camera if they went looking for one. Maybe after thinking for a bit the operator comes up with vulnerabilities 7, 9, and 42, and builds their plan around vulnerability 9. Meanwhile a human observer looking at the video and actions might think of vulnerabilities 12, 90, and 17, and find that none of them seem to have been exploited, it would seem to them like tampering didn't occur because they didn't happen to think of the particular idea that the operator did. This means a reporter that simulates the human observer's inference from the videos and action sequence will answer incorrectly whenever the observer would fail to think hard about whichever considerations the operator did. The direct translator would perform better by trying its best to answer honestly in such cases. Note that sometimes the human operator may think of something that even the AI is fooled by, in which case the direct translator would also get dinged for answering incorrectly, but we hope it at least avoids getting unnecessarily penalized. New counterexample better inference in the human base net. The operator understands something the observer doesn't, but the process of choosing their action still takes place within the human base net. If the operator explained their plans to the observer, the observer could then follow how it worked. This suggests a counterexample. Imagine the reporter could do perfect inference from observations in the human base net. This would be like simulating a human observer who systematically checks for signs of all 100 software vulnerabilities that the human operator could have come up with to exploit, meaning they'll understand that the action sequence is exploiting vulnerability 9 when they consider that hypothesis. This model would get a perfect loss on the training distribution. While it's computationally intractable to do perfect inference in the human Bayes net, we can modify this setup slightly to construct a better counterexample. The reporter could simply do the best inference it can in the human Bayes net, given its predicted video. This bad reporter would sometimes answer questions incorrectly, but only when the predictor itself fails to recognize the human operator's tampering, and in that case, the direct translator would also answer incorrectly. There are no data points in the training distribution which give an advantage to the direct translator anymore. Imagine the superhuman smart vault AI can think of attacks which exploit knowledge it has that is completely missing from the human base net. Perhaps the attack exploits a fact about transistors that can lead to our AM corruption under conditions that look innocuous to a human, based on physical principles a human doesn't understand. The bad reporter will fail to report tampering in that case, while the direct translator would. Strategy have AI help humans improve our understanding. 
if the new concern is that there may be important features of the world that humans don't understand, we can try to improve human understanding and change the human Bayes net. Individual humans can extend their Bayes net by reading books, studying things in school, considering arguments and thought experiments, and so on. Humanity collectively can improve and extend it by making new empirical observations, proposing new hypotheses, designing and performing experiments, and so on. We'll use the term doing science to refer collectively to all the normal processes humans use to modify their Bayes net, though they are more ubiquitous and less glamorous than that term may suggest. If AI systems are learning extremely quickly then there's no reason to think that the traditional process of doing science could keep up, but we could hope to somehow use AI systems to help automate the process. This could both speed up the process and expand its scale, hopefully allowing human understanding of the world to keep pace with AI understanding. The obvious concern with this idea is that the AI systems we use to automate doing science will themselves be dangerously misaligned. There are several proposals for getting around this, including debate, iterated amplification, and recursive reward modeling. Very loosely speaking, the core idea behind such proposals is that we may be able to ensure safety by only training AIs on tasks that can be recursively broken down into subtasks, which can be broken down into subtasks etc., such that the smallest subtasks can be directly evaluated by a human. These approaches are not fully specified, and there are a large number of potential problems and risks, there may not be a via blay way to safely train such AI assistants. But for the purpose of this report we'll assume the best, that these techniques effectively train AI systems to do science and honestly describe the results as best they can, subject to their capabilities and the available time and resources. ARC is currently focused on the kinds of issues described in this report because Paul has spent some time exploring possible obstacles to proposals like debate and amplification, and he currently considers the most severe difficulties to be ones that come up even in this optimistic case. If we use such assistance to improve the human operator's understanding of the world as much as possible, then we can have these AI assistants help a human operate the smart vault using the best understanding that they've developed rather than the human's initial understanding. This could further expand the set of situations where the human operator can provide correct labels. There are a huge number of details about the procedure we use to train AI assistants that we're leaving vague in this report because we believe our counterexample will apply to all of them. How this defeats the previous counterexample. Our previous reporter used the human's original Bayes net to answer questions. If AI systems can help humans understand new things and extend our Bayes net, then a human operator can use that new knowledge to construct an action sequence that the naive human operator couldn't have come up with, and therefore couldn't accurately answer questions about. Even ideal inference in the original human Bayes net would not correctly understand that strategy, so the bad reporter from the previous section would label such data points incorrectly. New counterexample gradient descent is more efficient than science. Our predictor's Bayes net was found by gradient descent because it explained the training data really well, while the expanded human Bayes net was produced by a faster and more thorough version of humans doing science, extending and improving our Bayes net by making changes that we understand. Prima facie, there's no particular reason to think that these two processes would acquire the same kind of knowledge with the same amount of effort. There's no direct correspondence between the updates made by gradient descent and the kinds of updates humans make as they consider arguments, perform experiments, make observations, and so on. For any given kind of knowledge, one or the other could be more efficient, in terms of using less compute, at acquiring that knowledge. This means it's plausible that an AI assistant who can automate the process of doing science well enough to impart us with all the smart vault AI's knowledge can only be trained using much more total computation than the original smart vault AI itself. As an intuition, 
Imagine the cost of training a more powerful future version of alpha fold versus a model that can break down and explain why a particular protein folds in a particular way, it's very plausible that the latter would be significantly more costly to train. We could imagine a future in which the best way to understand biology was not by doing anything resembling normal science, but simply by using gradient descent to learn large neural networks that made predictions about biological systems. At that point there would be no guarantee that humans understood anything about these models beyond the fact that they made good predictions. This is a counterexample because our goal is to find a competitive solution to ELK, one that uses only a small amount more computation than training the unaligned benchmark. So now we are concerned about a bad reporter which does best effort inference in the best human understandable Bayes net that could be achieved in the amount of doing science we can automate within that budget. As far as we and our AI assistants can tell, this reporter would answer all questions accurately on the training distribution. But if the smart vault AI later tampers with sensors by exploiting some understanding of the world not reflected even in the best human understandable Bayes net, it would fail to report that. Strategy have humans adopt the optimal Bayes net. If gradient descent is such a good method for understanding the world, maybe humans could adopt it themselves. One speculative approach for this is imitative generalization. Roughly speaking, imitative generalization considers the space of changes the humans could make to their Bayes net. Learns a function which maps, proposed change to Bayes net, to, how a human, with AI assistance, would make predictions after making that change. Searches over this space to find the change that allows the humans to make the best predictions. We could use imitative generalization in order to propose the best change to the human Bayes net that can be found with the amount of computation that would have been required to train the unaligned benchmark. A human could then use this new Bayes net to operate the smart vault and answer questions about the resulting videos. Imitative generalization is even more speculative than the proposals discussed in the last section, and is even more likely to face important difficulties. But we will again argue that even in the best case, where the narrow technical difficulties are surmountable, there is still an important obstacle. How this defeats the previous counterexample. If there is a gap between science and gradient descent, we hope that imitative generalization will find the best Bayes net that can be found with our compute budget, rather than the best Bayes net that can be found by doing science with our compute budget. If so, it can produce labels that the best effort inference in the best human understandable model reporter would get wrong. New counterexample ontology mismatch. We are hoping imitative generalization would find a change that adds or changes some parts of the human's Bayes net while preserving the semantics of nodes like diamond and robber so that they can still answer questions. For example, Maybe we want imitative generalization to help the human model the behavior of transistors while preserving their understanding of macroscopic objects. But in the worst case, the best Bayes net may simply throw away all of those familiar nodes. If this happens, it's not at all clear how the human can use the resulting model to produce labels about anything other than the observations themselves. So are we just stuck now? If we're assuming that the normal process of human science cannot find this Bayes net, unless it uses much more computation than the unaligned benchmark, then are we stuck? Is there no way to find a competitive worst-case solution to ELK? Not necessarily. We may not have been able to find this Bayes net by doing science, but we don't have to use our normal procedure of doing science to understand it once we have it. We can directly look at the Bayes net and see how it's making predictions about the second part of the video. It's as if the alien simulating our universe handed us the code that runs the simulation we're in, and enough compute to run it on and the renderer that turns the code into a video where we can watch ourselves walking around and talking. Maybe it would have taken human civilization tens of thousands of years to figure out the rules underlying the simulation, but if we could leverage the fact that we can examine the simulation as it's stepping forward and rendering the video, we may be able to speed that up a lot. 
Intuitively, once we hit upon the true correspondence between the parts of the simulation and mundane reality as we know it, it could be really obvious that it's correct, our understanding might click into place. We may be able to figure this out in much less time than it would have taken to do science well enough to construct the simulation in the first place, for example maybe this process would take us a mere few years. And if we believe we could quickly recognize the true correspondence, then maybe we could use that to define a loss function to train a reporter. However, we aren't satisfied by saying maybe humans could easily recognize the right correspondence between the Bayes net and concepts they care about. We want to actually describe how they would recognize that a correspondence is actually correct, for any Bayes net they might be handed. We don't expect to have time to run that procedure, but we want to convince ourselves that a team of humans, or a debate amplification tree, could run it with enough time. So even though may not immediately be stuck, this does effectively bring us back to square one a human, with their AI assistance, is staring at a Bayes net which makes great predictions, and wants to figure out how to use it to answer questions about all the concepts they actually care about, like the diamond being in the room. We believe there should be some correct reporter, and we can label a bunch of points to help find it, but if we search for a reporter in the naive way we might get a human simulator. Ontology Identification ELK refers to the general problem of eliciting latent knowledge from a model trained with gradient descent. We use ontology identification to refer to the special case, where the learned model takes the simple form of inference in a probabilistic model that corresponds in some way to the human model, such that the key challenge is to figure out that correspondence. The remainder of this report, other than appendix learned optimizers, is focused on ontology identification in particular. In this section, we'll discuss what kind of mismatches we might end up with between the AI's ontology and our own, more. The relationship between this narrower problem and the overall problem of ELK, more. Examples of ontology mismatches. The paradigmatic example of an ontology mismatch is a deep change in our understanding of the physical world. For example, you might imagine humans who think about the world in terms of rigid bodies and Newtonian fluids and complicated stuff we don't quite understand, while an AI thinks of the world in terms of atoms in the void. Or we might imagine humans who think in terms of the standard model of physics, while an AI understands reality as vibrations of strings. We think that this kind of deep physical mismatch is a useful mental picture, and it can be a fruitful source of simplified examples, but we don't think it's very likely. We can also imagine a mismatch where AI systems use higher-level abstractions that humans lack, and are able to make predictions about observables without ever thinking about lower-level abstractions that are important to humans. For example we might imagine an AI making long-term predictions based on alien principles about memes and sociology that don't even reference the preferences or beliefs of individual humans. Of course it is possible to translate those principles into predictions about individual humans, and indeed this AI ought to make good predictions about what individual humans say, but if the underlying ontology is very different we are at risk of learning the human simulator instead of the real mapping. Overall we are by far most worried about deeply messy mismatches that can't be cleanly described as higher or lower level abstractions, or even what a human would recognize as abstractions at all. We could try to tell abstract stories about what a messy mismatch might look like, or make arguments about why it may be plausible, but it seems easier to illustrate by thinking concretely about existing ML systems. For example, if we look at the internal behavior of a large language model, we see some structures and computations we can recognize but also quite a lot we can't. It is certainly possible that these models mostly think in terms of the same concepts as humans and we just need to figure them out, but at this point it also seems possible that they do at least some of their thinking in ways that are quite alien and that may not have short explanations. And it also seems possible that they will become less comprehensible, rather than more, as they reach and surpass human abilities. 
if so then we can certainly get predictions out of these models, but it will become increasingly unclear whether they are using words to directly explain their own beliefs, or to simply make predictions about what a human would say. Relationship between ontology identification and ELK. To solve ELK in general we need to confront learned predictors that are more complex than inference in an unfamiliar Bayes net. For example, our predictors might do learned learning in order to build faster models of key parts of the world, or might learn goal-directed heuristics for inference or reasoning. They might involve internal competition and selection, they might integrate cognitive behaviors they observe in their environment, or so on. We very tentatively think of ELK as having two key difficulties ontology identification and learned optimization. We have a rough hope for handling learned optimization based on imitative generalization and recursively applying ELK to the learned optimizer. We discuss this hope in Appendix Learned Optimizers. We don't think these two difficulties can be very precisely distinguished, they are more like genres of counterexamples, and we don't think learned optimization is necessarily a precise concept. We are fairly skeptical of any research that tries to assume that one of these problems is solved in order to focus on the other, because we think it is likely for key difficulties to slip through the conceptual cracks. It is very hard to know whether our approach to learned optimizers will work, and whether there are further hard cases, before having a clear picture of the ontology identification. So we are currently very uncertain about whether ontology identification represents 50% or 5% of the remaining difficulty of ELK. Paul's journey to being interested in ontology identification started from considering the more ominous failure case, where gradient descent produces a competent consequentialist. This led to considering approaches based on imitative generalization that try to learn what the agent knows instead of learning the agent itself. Ontology identification emerged as the most obvious core difficulty for this approach if the agent cares about something that is simple in terms of its own model, like observations, then even humans who have that model cannot use it productively or understand whether the agent's proposed actions are dangerous. Can we specify a regularizer to penalize bad reporters? In this section we describe some ways that you could try to penalize the bad reporter based on its parameters and the computation it does, rather than based merely on its behavior. Leveraging information beyond the behavior seems necessary, since many different reporters will receive a good loss and some of them will behave badly off distribution. In this section our goal is always to find some structural feature that can penalize the human simulator. In the end we won't succeed, but we will see that we can at least make the bad reporter's job harder, and narrow the set of situations where it will be preferred to the direct translator. Most of these approaches will work by adding an additional regularization term to the optimization based on its complexity, speed, or other properties, then instead of doing gradient descent to minimize the reporter's question-answering loss, we minimize a sum of the question-answering loss and the regularizer's penalty. Because we are assuming the data has no errors, meaning the good reporter and bad reporter answer questions equally well, we will end up learning whichever model has a lower value of the regularizer. We provide pseudocode for these approaches in appendix regularization details. Strategy penalize complexity. The human simulator needs to specify the entire human model in order to perform inference, while the direct translator only needs to specify how each human concept is implemented in the AI's model. Intuitively we might expect direct translation to be simpler because it only needs to represent functions defining concepts rather than representing the concepts and all of their relationships to one another. So perhaps we can avoid the bad reporter by penalizing complexity. There are a wide range of regularizers that might have this kind of effect, for example early stopping or weight decay. We won't specify details because we think essentially all of them will be vulnerable to the same counterexample. We could try going even further and learning separate reporters for different kinds of questions. For example, 
we could imagine a single head responsible for answering questions about what locations contain diamonds, or we could even fix a single precise question and try to train a reporter to answer just that one question. Then a direct translator for that narrow category of questions only needs to represent facts about a few human concepts, whereas the previous bad reporters would need to represent the entire model to answer any questions well. Counterexample the predictor's Bayes net may be very big. The bad reporter needs to specify the entire human model, how to do inference, and how to extract observations. But the complexity of this task depends only on the complexity of the human's Bayes net. If the predictor's Bayes net is fairly small, then this may be much more complex than specifying the direct translator. But if we make the predictor's Bayes net very large, then the direct translator can become more complicated, and there is no obvious upper bound on how complicated it could become. Eventually direct translation will be more complex than human imitation, even if we are only trying to answer a single narrow category of questions. For example, imagine a predictor which thinks in terms of low-level physics, and a direct translator trying to use that predictor to answer questions about how many people are in the room. If we add more and more layers of abstraction between the humans and AI's model of physics, first rigid bodies, then molecules, then atoms, then fields, it's plausible that the direct translator must use more and more complex functions to map between the low-level nodes in the predictor's Bayes net and the nodes in the human Bayes net corresponding to how many people are in the room. This example isn't particularly realistic, and it could not be scaled indefinitely since the physical world only has finite complexity, but other kinds of abstraction mismatches seem like they could also make direct translation more complicated. For existing deep learning models, whose inner workings appear quite complex, it's already plausible that translation is quite complex even if it is ultimately possible. Strategy penalize computation time. Human imitation requires doing inference in the entire human Bayes net to answer even a single question. Intuitively, that seems like much more work than using the direct translator to simply look up the answer. We could try to exploit this by penalizing reporters that use a lot of computation, or to simply limit the amount of computation the reporter can do. As before, we can also consider the time required to answer a single question, hoping that the direct translator can answer individual questions relatively quickly while the human simulator needs to do inference in the human model to answer even a single simple question. At first blush this is vulnerable to the same counterexample described in the last section, as we make the predictor's Bayes net bigger and bigger, the amount of work done by the direct translator may scale up. For example, if the predictor's Bayes net is 1013 nodes then it becomes quite possible that answering almost any question will require looking at many nodes and doing something with them, which can be quite costly even if what you do with each node is quite cheap. If the human simulator had a constant time complexity then this would be enough for a counterexample. But the situation is a little bit more complex, because the human simulator we've described is one that tries its best at inference. This opens a possibility for the direct translator to win the predictor already needed to do inference in its own Bayes net, and the direct translator may be able to effectively reuse that inference rather than starting from scratch. And that benefit may scale up as we make our AI bigger and bigger, and therefore give the direct translator an enduring benefit. If this approach were promising it would raise practical questions about the reporter's architecture. But we won't get into those details, because for now we are focused on more conceptual difficulties with the approach. Counterexample inference may not be too hard in the human Bayes net. This approach doesn't work well if the inference problems occurring during training are not too hard. For example, if it was possible to do exact inference in the human Bayes net, then the computational cost of the inference step would again be a constant independent of the predictor's Bayes net, and for sufficiently large Bayes nets direct translation would again be more expensive. It's implausible for exact inference to be tractable, because the real world contains all kinds of exponentially challenging inference problems.
As an extreme case, if we observed an encrypted ciphertext then it would be prohibitively difficult for the AI to infer the unencrypted plaintext. However, it's not clear whether the human simulator actually needs to solve any of these arbitrarily complex inference problems in order to get a perfect loss. It's especially unclear whether the direct translator would get any additional questions correct beyond those the human simulator could already answer, for example, a hard case based on encryption could stump both of them. In order to ensure we learn the human simulator, we would need to change the training strategy to ensure that it contains sufficiently challenging inference problems, and that doing direct translation was a cost-effective way to improve speed, i.e. that there aren't other changes to the human simulator that would save even more time. Compared to all our previous counterexamples, this one offers much more hope. We can't rule out the possibility of a clever dataset where the direct translator has a large enough computational advantage to be preferred, and we leave it as an avenue for further research. In section penalizing inconsistencies we discuss an additional ingredient that we think makes computation complexity-based approaches more plausible. Strategy penalized depending on downstream variables. If we laid out the predictor's variables in the order they are computed, its prediction for the second part of the video would appear at the very end, that node is the most downstream part of the Bayes net, and once the predictor has a predicted video it has no reason to think further. Intuitively, it's pretty suspicious if a reporter depends on this very final node. The direct translator should instead depend on variables that are much further upstream, rather than looking at the observations of a diamond, it is actually looking at the nodes corresponding to the diamond, which the predictor computed on route to predicting the video. This suggests a possible approach to penalizing reporters allow them to choose which of the predictor's activations they depend on, and then penalize them based on the total computation performed to compute all of those activations. This is similar to attaching a question answering head to a neural network at every layer and then preferring heads that branch off from earlier layers. If the reporter was allowed to spend arbitrarily long computing its answer, then this would incentivize it to read the very earliest parts of the predictor, the inputs and stochastic nodes, and then rederive all of the predictor's results from that. But we can avoid this by additionally penalizing the computation the reporter performs, as in the ordinary penalized computation idea. For pseudocode corresponding to this new training strategy, see Appendix Downstream Details. If we imagine the predictor computing facts sequentially, effectively simulating reality for longer and longer time periods, then the direct translator only has to compute up through time t in order to answer questions about time t but the human simulator needs to keep computing until it has figured out all of the observations, so that it can run human inference on the full video. For example, consider the case when a robber tampers with the camera and steals the diamond, and then after they're long gone the human gets a clue they can observe on video that the theft occurred, for example maybe the robber put up a fake screen that later rips. The honest reporter can answer the question is the diamond in the room? With no as soon as the predictor has figured out that the robber steals the diamond, whereas the human simulator must wait until the predictor has simulated whether the theft will be detectable to a human, by the end of the second video, before answering yes or no. Counterexample what the human will believe can be understood before what is actually true. If the predictor does a lot of computation, then it is extremely expensive for the reporter to look at downstream nodes. It will often make more sense for it to look at nodes gradually, starting from the beginning of the predictor's computation. It can then answer the question as soon as it has a good enough idea about the answer. In order to answer as fast as possible, a reporter can benefit from looking for any argument that the answer can already be determined given what it knows so far. If the predictor's Bayes net is so big that the cost of inferring the value of an additional node is massive, it can be worth spending a lot of computation searching for such an argument, since even a small probability of avoiding further inference has a big payoff. Suppose we've asked our reporter whether the diamond is in the room. In our ideal world, 
we'd want the reporter to search for any argument that the diamond is actually in the room, and only stop once it finds such an argument. But the reporter could answer even more quickly by stopping whenever it found an argument that either the diamond will be in the room or the human will believe the diamond is in the room. If this ever helps on the training set, then we can learn a bad model that uses this heuristic instead. To see how this can lead to bad behavior, consider a robber who plans to steal the diamond but first tampers with the camera so that it will always show the diamond remaining safe. The robber is very competent and so has ensured that there is no way a human will have any clue about the tampering. They will actually carry out the theft only if they can do so undetected. At the time that tampering occurs, it's not clear whether the robber will steal the diamond, but it is clear that the human won't believe that the diamond was stolen. If our bad reporter can notice this fact, it will immediately say that the diamond was not stolen. This is exactly the behavior we wanted to avoid. Strategy penalize reporters that work with many different predictors. The translator is like a dictionary, translating nodes from the predictor's Bayes net to nodes in the human Bayes net. In order for the translator to tell whether there is a diamond in the room, it might test whether the 38th node and the 187th node are equal. So the translator only works well if those two nodes actually represent the concepts the translator treats them as representing. There are similar dependencies for every concept, so translation depends on many precise details of the predictor's Bayes net and there are many ways to change the Bayes net that will cause the translator to start giving gibberish answers. However, the human simulator only needs to look at the nodes in the predictor's Bayes net that represent the first and second part of the video. If we change the predictor's Bayes net in a way that doesn't change the way it represents the videos, the human simulator will still give consistent answers to questions. That means the human simulator works well with many more possible predictors. We could potentially learn the direct translator instead of the human simulator by including a penalty term like log hash of predictors that the reporter works well with, alongside our penalty for complexity or computation time. To turn this into an algorithm we need to fill in two big holes first we need to define what it means for a reporter to work well with a predictor, roughly speaking we mean that its answers look plausible to a human given the predictions, and then we need to specify how to estimate hash of predictors with which a given reporter works well with. We give a precise algorithm along these lines in appendix specificity details. Counterexample it could be easy to check for the predictor if it's simple. In order to gain this objective, a bad reporter could memorize what the predictor is supposed to look like and then decide to answer questions in a nonsensical way if the predictor is different from what it expects. If the predictor is exactly like it expects, then it can answer questions just like the human simulator. This bad reporter would only work for exactly one predictor, and therefore it gets the maximum possible reward for working with fewer predictors. Moreover, this bad reporter didn't have to do very much extra computation. So the only way that we will end up preferring direct translation is if this bad reporter ends up requiring more parameters. This is superficially plausible, because the bad reporter needed to memorize the intended predictor. Unfortunately, this doesn't help very much if the predictor's Bayes net is very simple to describe. And it seems possible to have a Bayes net which is simple to describe, meeting the criteria of this counterexample, but which has a huge number of nodes and arrows, meeting the criteria needed to counterexample the complexity and computation penalties. For example, consider a case where the predictor's Bayes net is a low-level model of physics. Although there are many atoms, they all behave according to the same simple laws. So we can have a situation where the predictor's Bayes net is very simple to describe but still has a large number of nodes and arrows. We present a concrete example of this phenomenon in Appendix Game of Life. Strategy penalize inconsistencies across different inputs. While we are training our reporter, we could run the same predictor on many different inputs and look for patterns or relationships across the reporter's outputs. 
This might allow the human to notice irregularities even if its answers in each individual situation look perfectly reasonable. For example, the human might notice two worlds with nearly identical actions and observations, where tampering is obvious in one but not the other. If the reporter describes tampering in the world where it is obvious but not in the other world, it may be a tip-off that it is a human simulator who describes tampering if and only if a human could detect it. More subtly, the human might notice patterns of correlations that are better explained by the hypothesis the reporter is doing inference in a model different from the one used to make predictions than the hypothesis the real world happens to have this pattern of correlations for reasons I don't understand. In Appendix Inconsistency Details we present a concrete algorithm that penalizes this kind of inconsistency across different inputs. We also describe a more precise example of the kind of suspicious correlation that we could try to penalize. Why this might address the previous counterexample. We can think of the human simulator as a kind of myopic way of playing the training game to get a good loss it thinks about each input completely separately, and tries to give the most convincing to a human answers that it can on that input. But it makes no effort to ensure that its stories are consistent across different inputs. If our training process looks at the relationship between different inputs, then a bad reporter might also need to consider lots of alternative inputs before making its decision. Moreover, if we choose sets of inputs randomly, then a bad reporter might not know which other inputs it needs to think about, and there's an exponentially large space of possible situations it potentially needs to worry about. So we could imagine getting to a situation where just answer honestly is the computationally easiest way to solve the problem. Counterexample A bad reporter can play the look consistent game. Rather than merely imitating human answers, a bad reporter must now play the game look consistent according to the checks that a human can apply. This raises two key questions. Does there exist a cheating strategy in the look consistent game? If so, is it easy for a bad reporter to execute? Otherwise, playing this game might force the reporter to use much more computation than the direct translator. If the answers to both questions are yes then we have a problem. In Appendix Inconsistency Across Inputs we discuss these questions in detail for a particular concrete family of consistency checks. For now we just give some general heuristic arguments. We suspect that there is always some cheating strategy. Otherwise the consistency checks suffice to determine the truth all on their own. But in fact it seems like inductive biases, for example simple models that have worked in the past are likely to work in the future, seems extremely important for distinguishing between multiple consistent stories. If there is a cheating strategy, we think there are likely to be possible worlds where it can be found quickly, based on the same argument made in section speed. The look consistent game mostly depends on the human model, and so it may be possible to play the game well enough to beat direct translation using an amount of effort that doesn't scale with the complexity of the predictor's Bayes net. If that happens, then for a sufficiently complicated predictor it will be easier to play the consistency game than to directly translate. That said, we think that this argument is very far from watertight and that it is quite possible there exists some consistency check that provides a large computational advantage for direct translation. This was part one of eliciting latent knowledge how to tell if your eyes deceive you. Thanks for listening. To help us out with the nonlinear library or to learn more, please visit nonlinear.org.